0: This is Heartstock Radio, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Today, our guest is Allison Byers of Scrubius. Just a moment, Allison will be with us and tell us all about her enterprise and what she's doing there. I'd also like to remind you that you can find us on Facebook. We post all of our guests there, our upcoming programs and our pre-recorded programs, And you can also email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. This is Heartstock Radio, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Clark Grant is in the studio. Thanks for listening. This is HeartStock Radio, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Our guest today is Allison Byers of Scrubius. Hi, Allison. Hi, Carol. Thank you so much for being on HeartStock. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat today. Mm -hmm. Please, Allison, can you give us a little intro? What is Scrubius, and what do you do there?
1: Sure. Uh, So Scrubius was founded at the start of this year in January. To address the funding gap for under-networked founders, we use video and data science to facilitate connections where our networks have failed. So what we're building is an efficient and human first way for investors to source outside of their own networks and for underrepresented founders to connect with investors they would otherwise struggle to access. So we're a pretty young company and right now we're running a closed beta on our prototype platform. So what we do there is we guide early stage founders through crafting a meaningful pitch deck that includes all the information that investors are looking for, which a lot of early stage founders haven't been taught or aren't aware of, uh, particularly underrepresented groups who don't have the peer group or mentors around them that are so necessary. Uh, And then we record a video of them delivering their pitch alongside their slides. They do this uh, at home, of course, right now. Um, And investors can then browse and watch these compelling pitches on our platform and reach out to the founders if they're interested. And one uh, little side note, the the reason that we use pitch videos rather than decks uh, is because humans process visual information much faster than we do text. And we retain 80% of what we see versus what we read. So one of the things that we're trying to address in the fundraising industry is by making uh, the first step of fundraising to send your deck around, it really limits the investor's uh, perception of what the company is and what the founder is. And for an undernetworked founder, their ability to communicate their personal characteristics can literally make or break their company. Uh, so video is a way uh, medium that instantly humanizes in a way that a pitch deck can't. And our hope is that this will help founders make an impression that sticks with investors. And then even if the investor isn't the right one for them, they're more likely to recall that founder in their company and discuss them with others.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about the definition of underrepresented and Why did you decide that this was your calling?
1: (laughs) Sure. So underrepresented or under-networked, when I think about the fundraising industry, it it really means anyone who is outside of the norm or who doesn't pattern match with who traditionally gets funded. Uh, And in the fundraising industry, 89% of VC partners are men and 80% are white. So it's a really homogenous group. And people tend to know and invest in people like them. So it naturally results in these isolated networks. And if you're underrepresented or under-networked, it's really hard to penetrate one of these networks. And then on the flip side, if you're an investor and you are actively looking to diversify how you source, you don't really have an efficient way to do so because your own network is limited, it works against you as well if you're trying to do the opposite. So, for me, thinking about these groups, I well, I guess, I guess maybe I can talk a little bit about what I did before this and, and mm-hmm. what led me to start the company.
0: <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, you know, what happened before this that led you down this path?
1: Very yeah, curious. So before founding Scroobius, I co-ran a startup medical device company for four and a half years. And it was my first time being in you know, a primary fundraising position and kind of not adjacent to it. Um, we, Can you repeat that, please? You said uh, it was a medical device startup. Is that, is that correct? That is correct. So it was um, digital health, but it was a regulated medical device. Gotcha. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, and we were in uh, the Alzheimer's space. And for anyone who is in the medical device field, you know that you need a certain type of investor because you can't deliver the typical kind of VC five to seven year return horizon. You need someone who's mission driven or really understands your technology and, you know, is willing to wait longer uh, because they believe in the impact you can have. So it makes it very challenging to fundraise. And then on top of that, I really felt the difference being a female fundraiser uh, and the extra challenges, again, that these, you know, underrepresented groups face. So I would find myself sitting and thinking all the time about how somewhere in the U.S., someone wants to fund our company or maybe in the world, but I, we were focused on the U.S. Um, and they just didn't know about us because our networks didn't overlap. And I didn't know about them. And why is that happening today? There are literally millions of startups in the U.S., like not exaggerating, and millions of investors. And the chances that you already know that best opportunity or the best investor for you is tiny compared to everything out there. And there isn't an efficient or good platform addressing this need right now. And it just just stuck with me a lot um, while I was at my last company. And then ultimately, when I decided to leave and start this company, um, because I I just found myself getting very passionate about it uh, and spent about a year ideating and validating my concept and and knew that I, I really had something here.
0: And you had mentioned that there really wasn't an existing efficient way for underrepresented founders to raise. And I noticed just, you know, even looking for guests for our show, that this is a space that is growing rapidly. Many women have been activated, so to speak, and a lot of folks are realizing that, you know, women need to have access to capital at the same equitable rate as others. So how is how is your platform different than some of those other Like we fund women and others like that.
1: Yeah. And so you're absolutely right. And there's so much research out there that shows that women and diverse teams actually deliver better investment results. So it's so sorely needed. And it is so frustrating that there hasn't been more advancement in this to date. Um, because investing in those types of diverse teams is the right thing to do, but it's also the smart thing to do because diverse founders are underinvested and deliver higher returns. So they're an undervalued asset class. That's what that makes them, and that is a huge opportunity. So I think one way that we're different there there's a lot of, there is a lot of innovation happening in this space right now. Um, I think people are finally accepting that fundraising is its own industry. And it needs the same type of innovation that investors put their money into other industries. So one big thing that's come up is crowdfunding, which some of the sites you just mentioned uh, are that, uh, which are great um, that they exist, but they are not the right solution for everybody. Uh, And it's also a very uh, specific type of platform, a crowdfunding platform. Uh, So... Scroogeous is not part of an actual financial transaction. We're really focused on that early stage, um, helping establish connections where they otherwise wouldn't have been made and expanding that relationship building process so that diverse founders can gain the social capital that they need and the financial capital as well to progress their business. And then on the Front end of our platform, we also do a lot of work educating founders and working with them on crafting their pitch decks, which is another area I'm pretty passionate about. Is a lot of diverse founders or first time founders just don't know, no one taught them what an investor wants to see in it. So they already don't pattern match just based on who they are, but then the material they're sending doesn't pattern match and they don't get a chance at that first meeting. And like, what a silly reason, because they can make those things and they have real businesses. Someone just has to help them out. Uh, So we provide a lot of guidance and tools to do that and then also help connect them to investors once they've made it.
0: And Allison, you mentioned that previously you worked in the medical device startup. And I'm just kind of curious... You know what you did even before that. You know where do you, where did you go to school, and um, a little bit more about your background. If you could share that. That would be awesome.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's um, a long time ago. <laughs> <So> way <laughs> way back in undergrad, uh, I went mm-hmm. to Syracuse University, um, and I was really heavily into clinical psychology. So I was that student that like started the psych club and. Didn't did independent studies for professors in their lab work instead of taking regular classes and really thought um, I was going to be a clinical psychologist and get my Ph.D. and go down that track. But one summer I interned at a local state hospital, and it was that experience that made me realize I I just didn't have the emotional fortitude to do that job as as, as my primary career it was it was very difficult emotionally. Um, So when I graduated, I decided before committing to that PhD journey, I should really just see if there's something else that I like. (laughs) So um, I joined the business world by uh, working for a startup boutique management consulting firm. And I, I took to it right away. I loved the ability to apply what I knew about human behavior and my skills with data analysis to see an immediate impact. Uh, And after a few years there, I ended up getting my MBA uh, because I was so heavy in science. I really needed the business education. And since then, I've been at a few different startups. Each one has been very different than the last. (laughs) Um, So I spent a while doing web analytics and consulting. And then, um, yeah, I did the medical device company. I did some independent consulting for uh, retail shops um, and consumer products. But a theme for me has really been using data to understand human behavior. And combining that with my passion for supporting diverse groups, I I feel like kind of everything I've done has led up to founding this company, to founding Scrubius.
0: So I'm really curious. I mean, the first question that comes to my mind is data analytics and how that can be used in Scrubius. Can you share with us a little bit about
1: that? Definitely. Um, Yeah, so the ultimate vision for the company is once I get past kind of this beta period and once I amass enough data um, on variables that are associated with video pitches and how investors engage with them, I want to build predictive algorithms that will show an investor opportunities they might be interested in based on what they've already watched, so based on their own behavior. It's really similar to how Netflix recommends content to you based on your own viewing behavior. Uh, And a lot of people don't know this, but more than 80% of what's watched on Netflix is discovered through their recommendation system. So it it really shows how hyper-personalized curation can be very powerful in shifting how people behave. And I'm aiming to apply those principles to shifting how and where investors look for investment opportunities by hyper-curating that experience and giving visibility to those underrepresented founders who would otherwise struggle to reach those investors uh, for really meaningful and efficient connections. And what have you
0: learned about what investors, how they select startups in the first place i mean it seems to me like uh, most of what investors do is they uh they look for things that they are familiar with and things that they understand because nobody really wants to invest in something that they just have no interest in or understanding of is is that right
1: yeah so investors utilize a lot of pattern matching really what they're trying to do when they evaluate companies is De-risk the opportunity, however they can, right? They want ultimately they they want to make a return on their investment. <laughs> so by taking out the risk from the investment, that's that's how they evaluate if it's a good opportunity for them. Uh, and one way to take away risk is to invest in areas that you have expertise in or you are familiar with. Um, and this is also where that homogenous network comes in because you you're going to tend to see opportunities that look like ones you have seen in the past because they're coming from people that are like you, right? But those are not the best opportunities. Um, And by looking in places where you don't have expertise, where diverse or underestimated founders do, they have a unique view into something, that's where you can get an outsized return right? That's what an undervalued asset class is. It's undervalued and it can deliver outsized returns if those founders are given the same support that others get, both financial and again, that social capital, which is so important too. Um, That's the role of a warm introduction, is it's de-risking, right? That social capital, you're saying, well, someone vouched for this person who I know, so that takes some of the risk away, but that's limiting what you're seeing. And so you might be seeing the best opportunities that look like ones you already have, but those are not the best opportunities. And it's doing a disservice to ingenuity in our ecosystem and benefit to our economy by not looking at places where you're unfamiliar, but you can recognize that a founder can execute on a vision that will do social, will outperform or whatever it is you're looking for your investment to do.
0: So we're at that halfway point, and we'll take a quick break. And just a moment, we'll be right back with Allison Byers of Scrubius. This is Heartstock, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Heartstock Radio. Thanks so much for listening today. Our guest is Allison Byers of Scrubius. Hi again, Allison. Hello. We were just talking about uh, your system and your platform, kind of from the investor standpoint. Can you share with us how you're helping underrepresented founders? Yeah, a little bit from the founder side.
1: Sure. Um, So. We talked about it a little bit before. A, a big part of the help is working with them to craft their pitch and their narrative. Pitch decks are really intimidating and they're a staple of fundraising. Um, and they, they really can work against those, again, who don't have the benefit of the experience behind them or of the network to help show them the ropes or what to do. Uh, and a lot of founders fall into the trap of creating a deck or a narrative that they think the investor wants to see, rather than what's really authentic to them. And investors are looking for that authenticity. That's that's a benefit. Um, so not only do I help them with content in the deck and things like how do you you know calculate a bottom-up market size or you know kind of the math behind stuff, but How do you tell your story in a way that is authentic to you and that you can get passionate about whenever you talk about it and that it will resonate with your audience? Um, So that's a big part of the benefit. And then, of course, making the videos, which I'm such a big believer in videos and their ability to establish a human connection over a technical platform. Uh, So even while videoing, there's tips like you have to look right into your webcam. Right? Now that we're all remote, you can't be in the room. Someone can't feed off of your energy. And your biggest tool is making eye contact. Even if it's through a screen, making eye contact with someone forms a connection and makes a lasting impact. Uh, and that, that's a hard thing to do uh, for founders or you know, even delivering your pitch. You want to look down at your slide as a prompt. But when you're home now, it, it, that can get in the way of establishing that connection. Um so giving them a platform of a <laughs> helping them develop the material that will form that connection and make an impact with the content and then giving them a platform to put it on where investors can see it uh, I think is is a really strong way to help them. Mm-hmm. How did you come up with the name? <laughs> Yeah. the name. So the name, I always get asked about the name and I I like telling the story because again, it kind of sticks with people. Um, And so, yeah, so you say it's scrovious, which um, some people have trouble figuring out how to say it too. But when I was coming up with the company, the first thing you have to do is create a name where there's a domain available, right? That's like what you have to do today. So I thought of, every combination of things that had to do with capital or network or connection or whatever, and everything was taken. No, no domains. (laughs) Um, So then I remembered this poem that I like. Um, There's a 19th century poet named Edward Lear who people know him. He wrote like the owl and the pussycat and there once was a man from Nantucket, those kind of things. Uh, And he liked to make up his own words and they would enter regular vernacular so he had this poem called The Scrubius Pip, and he made up the word scrubius. Uh, and the poem is all about this creature that shows up one day in the animal kingdom and is looks like a, it's a little bit of every type of animal. And all the different groups of animals try to classify it. They try to find out, you know, what, well, what are you? What Which one of us do you belong to? And they can't do that. And at the end of the poem, they celebrate it. And they say, well, it's the scrubious tip. and that's what it is. And it, it just made me think of what I'm doing, where, you know what, just because you don't pattern match, that's okay. You should be celebrated. You should be scrubious be who you are, be unique, and that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, and we've talked about that before on the program a couple times about the importance of diversity and why that's actually uh, you know a strong suit for companies and organizations um, in the startup world I don't know do you do you want to say a little bit about that what's what's your take on that Why do we need a very diverse group of, of founders and startups?
1: yeah well diversity is what drives innovation right that's I think diverse founders have really, been the victims of destroyed opportunity because of the barriers that we faced to early stage capital and a general lack of representation of people like us in the fundraising and startup industries. But as you mentioned before, we are starting companies at tremendous rates, like way faster (laughs) than any other group. And we control a significant portion of consumer spending. So when you say we, are you talking about
0: underrepresented individuals or women in particular?
1: Underrepresented groups. So women, minorities, we control almost half of consumer spending right now. And women in particular, it's even higher if you think about it from a household perspective. But startups that cater to them are not being funded because of everything (laughs) we've been discussing. Um, Mm So yeah by investing in those who understand these markets who understand you know underestimated markets that's an untapped ecosystem right now and that's what's going to bolster our economy and reap the rewards for those who are lucky enough to support them because you you can't make progress you can't innovate in a meaningful way without diversity of thought And diverse leaders working together. So there's this cycle if they can't get that startup capital and that social capital working against the diversity that's so essential for our population at large.
0: Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering about how you funded your startup. How's that going?
1: (laughs) Sure. So I made the decision to bootstrap my company until I had a better understanding of my own product and my own customers. So I'm lucky to have had a background that's very strong in market research. And I'm lucky to have had a lot of experience in startups already. And I knew that I wanted to test my own hypotheses and assess engagement data before I go do my own fundraise to build the product I ultimately want to build. Uh, which is why I'm starting with this very lightweight prototype and and this uh, beta test. And even though it's costing me personally time and money, uh, it's so valuable to work with these founders and understand where they need the most help to collaborate with investors on a solution that provides value for them. Uh, And then once I feel like I've got that understanding, I'll go and do my own fundraise.
0: So currently, your need is for people to test and try your beta model?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm constantly iterating and refining. I'm slowly adding people every day, founders and investors, um, all in exchange for giving me feedback and, and really helping me understand where that value lies. Um, and I'm not, it's not <laughs> I can't do it uh, indefinitely for free in exchange for mm-hmm. feedback. but at least right. in the beginning, um, even you know for for myself, building my own um, aptitude in this space, building my own social currency with those who will ultimately become my customers will lead to a more effective product and a better chance at my own funding because I'll, I'll really know and understand what I'm doing and have, the network and the metrics to back it up. And how might our
0: listeners find you, Allison?
1: Yeah, so you can find me at the website. It's the best place to go for all information. It's www.scroobius, which is dot scom uh, Or um, yeah, my contact information is on there. There's all kinds of forms. If anyone is interested in being a beta user, um, and I look at everything that comes in. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Well, we really appreciate you being on Heartstock and sharing your story and the work that you're doing.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being given the chance to spread the word and um, help people get a little view into what it's like for unnetworked and <laughs> underestimated founders out there. Mm.
0: This is Heartstock, and we shall be back again next week. Peace.
1: Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our live programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. As
0: I went walking, I saw a sign there, and on the sign it said, no trespassing, but on